right, so what episode are we on? Hello, welcome to TGE, the podcast. This is episode 43. Today we will be talking about a movie called Bandit Like Beckham. This is in honor of the World Cup that's going on right now. I actually interrupted <laughs> watching the game Germany against South Africa. Whoa. I watched the first half. Germany's up 3-0. It's looking good. Tyler, how are you? <laughs> I hope. I'm doing good. I'll be doing much better if that score gets turned. <laughs> turned by the time you finish recording just to hear you you shriek at the end of the podcast. Last time Sven and I watched the World Cup, it was the, the shutout of Germany versus Brazil. <clears throat> and it was quite an event to be in his household for that. Oh, yeah, big party. German sausage, lots of beer. And I dropped my phone <laughs> three times during that game because uh, Germany won 8-1 to one or something like that. It was pretty pretty good times. And you'd think at some point the enthusiasm would wane, but it didn't. <laughs> at no point did it get boring for you <laughs> the Never. shutout oh no this is historic I watched that game like three or four times after the fact but then I also have to acknowledge <laughs> that the last World Cup Germany um, didn't even make it into the final round so we, uh, we're living with that now <clears throat> well we'll see how this one goes and if you're enjoying the podcast of course subscribe to the podcast if you like what we're talking about let your friends know about the podcast if you hate what we're talking about let your friends know about the podcast we're on Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, anywhere you listen to podcasts, and we appreciate everyone listening. Absolutely. It's been a while. We haven't talked to each other forever, but I saw you at UCLA. Maybe you want to talk a little bit about that? Sure. Go, go right ahead. We recorded the episode with Roger Nygaard, which was really cool and a fun experience, and then it took a little while to get up because of a technical mix-up on my end, so sorry for the delay on the episode as well. But yeah, then we met up again at my class. Yeah, very nice. Thank you again for inviting me to um, become a guest speaker. This is like the third or fourth time, and it's always fun to talk to the students and see what they're up to. Yeah, and it's fun for me because every time you come, you have an entire new knowledge bomb that you detonate, <laughs> which is really cool. Just how, I guess the lesson for everyone listening, just how you are constantly evolving and constantly discovering new things and figuring stuff out how to accomplish what you want it's been it's been cool to see thank you well it's yeah i guess i could always say the same thing have the same lecture because it's different students but you always throw something out there where you're like why don't you talk about this and then that gives me an opportunity to change it up a bit well i kind of have like a little quiz and like stuff geared to it so when i say that i'm trying to get you to say what you did the last time so i don't have to do any more work but then some you take it and do something totally new <laughs> because it's evolved but that's great i think it's i i i, I appreciate it nice noise <laughs> so you had something to you wanted to talk about roger nygaard i mean that podcast first of all is I, my favorite podcast episode we've done so far. So if you haven't listened to it, I highly recommend that you check it out. We had Roger there. He's the editor of Veep and Curb Your Enthusiasm. And he there's some things that he shared and the way that he was able to communicate it really, like for me, I learned so much there 
of things that I mm -hmm. haven't really incorporated in my editing and I'm going to apply. So I highly recommend if you're interested in those shows or in filmmaking in general or just specific editing tips, that's a great episode to listen to. Yeah, and Roger was incredibly generous with his time. He went out of his way to track us down, to kind of dispel a lot of insight on comedy editing. I don't know if that was dispelling, but he sh certainly shared a lot. And it was just another cool example of someone who's really at the top level, getting to work on the coolest stuff, bringing a lot to it, and also having an approach that I don't think is dissimilar than theoretically all the stuff we talk about with editing all the time. But to hear his take on how he implements those practices and techniques is, is, is what kind of really shows you once you had the fundamentals, how you can kind of expand on, on the craft of it and apply them to what you're doing, which is really cool. Yeah, we definitely want to uh, invite other editors who might be listening. Let us know, and we're also going to seek you out and try to maybe like once a month or so open up our podcast to have these kinds of discussions. What I really like about it was that it was super specific about certain techniques and things. So I think it's very unique to be able to share that here and um, I'm, I'm looking forward to what's going to happen down the line with us as we keep growing and <clears throat> my new favorite editor is of course the editor of bend it like beckham that's right who is it tyler it was justin kirsch or justin krish sorry krish. justin yes i just went through his imdb he worked on downton abbey and then a whole bunch of stuff he has over 50 credits and nothing really rings a bell to me. It looks all very British. And then, of course, he cut Bandit like Beckham, which um, I've seen many, many years ago. It's a cool movie that blends um, Bollywood with soccer <laughs> and it's sort of a British <laughs> comedy. And, yeah, I think it's going to be fun to revisit a scene of that. It's very eclectic. And it spawned a musical. That's the most important thing. Noise. So, should we set up Bend It Like Beckham? Oh, yeah, let's do it. In case you haven't seen Bend It Like Beckham, it's a 2002 British family romantic comedy sports film produced, written, directed by Gurinder Kada or Charda, and starring Paminda Nagra, Kira Knightley, and a bunch of other people. The film's title. Jonathan Rise Myers? Yes. The film's title refers to the football player David Beckham and his skill at scoring from free kicks by curling the ball past a wall of defenders. It follows the 18-year-old daughter of Punjami Sikh in London. She is infatuated with football, but her parents have forbidden her to play because she's a girl. She joins a local women's team, which makes its way to the top of the league. It was released theatrically in April 2002 by Redbus Film Distribution and had a later release by Warner Home Video. The film surprised critics and was met with mostly positive reviews. It earned over $76 million on a $6 million budget. A stage musical version opened at London's Phoenix Theatre in 2015. Very cool. And the scene that we chose to look at, we thought it would be fun, obviously, because the World Cup is going on, but also because we haven't talked about a lot of sports scenes. This one isn't... This one's a little bit different because in in my memory, I didn't I didn't rewatch the film, but in my memory, this scene doesn't the drama of the film doesn't really revolve so much around whether she wins the scores the winning goal or not. It, the drama pays off shortly after the scene when her whether her family is going to accept her 
soccer playing or not, which is a huge point of contention for the family. She has to miss her sister's wedding to play this game that we're seeing. So there's a bit of a montage and there's a little bit of stakes and suspense to it, but the drama really comes after it. So it's not really... I mean, of course, there's a will she or won't she win thing, but the drama is not really built around it like a typical sports movie, which is interesting dramatically to figure out where the emotion rests in your movie, and it makes it a fulfilling and interesting scene, I feel like. Very nice. And uh, what we usually do on this podcast is we'll include a link in the description to a publicly available scene. We'll watch that scene through with you. If you can, that's fine. We'll describe it, and then we'll go back and we'll talk about the filmmaking slash editing stuff that we notice that is interesting unique something that we can take away from if we are filmmakers ourselves or we just are people that appreciate good films yes and one other thing to point out about the director of this has i saw the trailer she has the new movie coming out about someone who's greatly inspired and finds an influence in their life from bruce springsteen it seems like they got all the clearance and everything for his songs that <laughs> thunder road couldn't get <laughs> uh so that should be a, a cool film also that looks like a lot of fun Nice. All right. So who's going to describe it? You are. Oh, uh, we can both do it. Okay. So here we go. In three, two, one, click. There's the fans cheering. We got some parallel action going on of the them. They're doing a good job in the game, but also we're seeing the wedding taking place. So everyone's kind of having a great time. Yeah, so this is kind of in the middle of a scene. They just scored a goal, I guess, and then we're back into the action. There's an overhead shot. Somebody got fouled. That's our main character. Mm -hmm. And... A little suspense. What's going to happen? She seems really injured. So is she injured? Maybe she's done for. We don't know. So again, a good way to build a little suspense and drama into it. Okay, they put the ball mm. down. We're still in this overhead shot. And... It gets real quiet. Just just Every outside the penalty box, Fan, You eat that kind of stuff up. Don't pretend uh, yeah. you don't. There's, there's a wall there. It's <laughs> there to prevent her from shooting a goal. Wall of people. She looks at the ball. There's the ball. She looks at the wall. She looks at the goal. And she sees slow -mo. a bunch of her relatives now actually being the wall, which I guess means they're the obstacle. Right. They're at the wedding right now in the in their wedding outfits. We're hearing some opera. Cutting to the wedding. Everybody's staring. The wall is sort of shuffling around. Getting ready. She goes. She's gonna have to bend it. And we are the ball and now. I love this because it's it's so. There's like no obstacle at all for this, which I like. <laughs> that there's like no. There's no, like, is it going to bounce around the rim and go in? Like, it just at no point seems that that's not going to be a hardcore goal, which is cool, I feel like. Yeah, and they shoot a goal. Everybody's cheering. Lots of shots of Kira being excited. Back to the wedding. <laughs> she is spinning and turning with the groom. And then she is <laughs> spinning and turning on the soccer field. we go that's the scene the only celebration of a goal rivaled only by of course the american shutout against thailand is that what you're talking about the recent game 13 to 0 oh right my which bad. is a new record highest scoring game in the history of 
the World Cup. All right, so yeah, sports sports things always work. They're always effective. That big like you know final moment. There's there's a great drama in sports and guns that can be used and exploited in films. So. It's kind of a cool example of, of, of having another take on that. And like you pointed out, I didn't even recognize that, of course, the real obstacles, the family. But that's a, that's a cool way to approach it. Yeah, I, I definitely feel also that the music and the movement is very Bollywood. So they take that like awe in shot, eight seconds in, everybody's dancing at the wedding. That movement then gets match cut to them celebrating and they have sort of that same kind of movement there mm -hmm. and then back to the yeah. wedding at 14 and we're back into the game which we of course call parallel action yeah that high angle shot so there's there's a camera on a crane and it's going up and i really like how that shot is utilized there's more to it than just it's a stylistic choice it looks great it's like we're seeing it from up above and she's being fouled and everybody's coming over to comfort her. And then everybody leaves mm -hmm. the frame, like one by one. The ball gets put down at 41 seconds. And then the last person is the referee that sort of just crosses path. And then it's mm -hmm. just her. So I thought that's really yeah. nice, nicely done. And something I would point out about this that I think is an editing thing, if anything, is I, I, I highly theorize that this is a case where the main purpose of this shot, I feel like, was to get this overhead shot at 47 or 46, whatever, where we see that the ball is just outside the penalty box because that's kind of important information in terms of where the shot's taking place. Gotcha. That's my theory. And then, of course, when you... Of course, anytime you get a shot... And I might be totally wrong. We'll find out if the editor comes on the show... <laughs> but I might be totally wrong, but I theorize when you, you know, you want that important shot that you, has the most story information. It's outside the box, not to shoot it from here. But once the camera's there, once you're on that crane, why not shoot everything? All those shots you're pointing out that are so great, it turns out you get that stuff also. That's almost more impactful. Yeah. It just doesn't seem like a way you would traditionally cover that. But it just seems like we need to we need to know where the line is. We need to know she's there. What's the best way to do it? Oh, we'll do an overhead shot. And then you end up getting all this cool extra juice out of it. And then the other cool thing is you have a crane on the field suddenly. So not undifferent than I, Tanya, the freedom they had on the ice skates. And we can suddenly move it around and get these real cool shots of, of the ball flying past them. And maybe the crane was only there for those, you know, the, the POV of the ball shots. You know, but they ended up just getting a bunch of cool coverage with it. Yeah. Which then frees you up in the editing to discover stuff. That's my theory. I yeah. could be wrong. Well, it's interesting that you pointed that out with the uh, penalty line, which you're absolutely right. If you look at 45 seconds, they're putting the ball right in front of the penalty line and that sort of curvy line that is like center penalty. Curvy Kurt. line? What kind of fan are you? <laughs> the curvy line? Yeah, whatever that <laughs> is, that, that half circle. <laughs> Um, if you are an expert, which clearly I'm not, about lines, you would know that He loves those eight zero shutouts. I'm just kidding. Um, you would know that that's right at the uh, penalty area. But I have to tell you, I didn't even notice it at all because that line is very faded. And if that's really mm -hmm. the point I wanted to make, I would have like made that line as brilliant as can be and as they are nowadays. Mm -hmm. Um, so I completely well, that's the thing. Yeah. 
Yeah, and you never know with this stuff. You never know, you know, what the intention was and what... I mean, I, I imagine, because I feel like in writing and I feel like in filming stuff, it must have been a really big deal. And this is a good lesson to know. Well, we need, like story-wise, we need to know that it's almost, it's just outside the penalty box. So it has to be, you know, it's not going to be a PK. She's going to have to bend it around the group. And you put a lot of, presumably, put a lot of legwork into setting that story stuff up. And then once you get into the edit, perhaps you realize, well, the emotion of the moment's what matters. Who gives a shit? Yeah. We get, you know, the audience inherently knows that she's taking a long shot. Those painstaking details we set out don't, don't matter as much. So, you know, I, I may very well be wrong, but I think that's like a typical kind of experience in the editing room. I mean, unless, I, unless I'm mistaken. Yeah. Well, I, I still get that we're about, that we're fairly close to the goal because at 48 seconds, we still have a high angle on the wall and the camera booms down and mm -hmm. then at 52 we get to see the goal when the camera sort of tilts up and we totally yeah. get the um, relationship between the goal, the wall and the ball. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I could be totally wrong in, in that the, the purpose of the crane was to get the shot specifically at uh, 135. I mean, I kind of said that could be like the whole justification of the crane being there. But once you have that thing on the field, it's like, wait a second, let's get some overheads here. Let's get some cool shots of the of the wall waiting to have the shot taken on them. And just that kind of, yeah. that feeling of, of, of <laughs> that feeling of floating helps a lot and looks really cool for that moment kind of in concert with the slow motion to kind of create that feeling of expanded time and things slow down and the heightened moment and how it's kind of just like an elevated experience for her. So it ends up being really cool grabbing that stuff. Yeah. So that shot, I think it starts at 131. That's when she starts running towards the ball and is about to kick it. So that's also in the high angle. And I guess really, I mean, it's a low budget mm -hmm. movie in a way, six million, maybe low budget. Yeah. Um, that's just the money shot, right? So they just invested all their cash into this crane shot and they're milking it. They're trying to get <laughs> as much out of it as they can, which with student yeah, films, which that's you what you always do. Like you, you put your money on like one specific shot and try to get as much out of it as you can. Yeah, and we're not saying that they don't know any better doing it. It's very responsible to get coverage and it would be hard not to, but just the, the it's just... Editing-wise, it's good to look at for filmmakers at how getting the coverage can unlock those things, yeah. those opportunities for you. But that also, you know, being said is that it's very smart filmmaking in that if that's like kind of the most heightened moment of the entire film, that's when she's bending it, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That makes sense that you're going to have, you know, heightened photography for that. And if you're, you're going to map your budget out to do something special in that moment, which the movie does, and it builds to perfectly it's not going to work so well you know to do those shots in the practice scene yeah. which maybe you know in michael bay's bend it like beckham you would get <laughs> where it's like all right seen a lot of crane shots but why why now <laughs> and as we learned from roger drama can help add to the comedy so sometimes not having the glamorous stuff can make that glamorous stuff that much more effective when you do do it yep so then how about we stay at this moment? So at one thirty-two, she's running towards the ball. We cut to an insert of the ball. We see her 
legs as it's about to hit it it hits it and then what i thought was really cool at 133 we become the ball so everything from this point forward is the point of view of the ball we see the wall we mm -hmm. see how we slowly curve around it up and fly towards the goal reaction shots of people mm -hmm. watching back to this pov shot. the ball goes over to their faces yeah so we see the goalkeeper <laughs> trying to jump towards us being the ball and miss us mm -hmm. and then we cut to an overhead shot of the ball landing in the net right and i'm very curious for people listening if you hadn't seen the film what your reaction to it is if you had seen the film if you remember because i you know just rewatching the clip i didn't really feel that there was any question that she was going to sink the shot mm-hmm it didn't have that suspense of like Hoosiers or whatever, any movie where the, the golf ball rolls up to the hole and it passes it and it goes back in. It just kind of seemed like, I don't know, nothing was really riding on whether this goal went in or not. Right. Pushing, not, nothing was riding on it. I score at this point, but clearly this must be the winning goal. I mean, they already scored oh, yeah. at the beginning. So maybe that was <laughs> like a tie. I assume they were behind, and then they got the tie-in, and this is the winning goal. Maybe, yeah. And I guess I don't know how to. That's what I'm saying is I don't know what, to, what degree the drama was built around the yeah. winning as much as it was her not being at the wedding, but also having an amazing time herself. So I don't know. Yeah. So yeah, and then what we already talked about: intercutting parallel action. Um, mm. between the wedding and this and that the wall itself for a moment it's all her relatives standing in her way of achieving her dream is nice unconventional way to tell the story yeah and if you look at it's also a little subtle kind of thing if you look at 117 mm -hmm. she closes her eyes and looks away and kind of takes that breath that's like such a cool moment to cut to the wedding because we know that's you know we're seeing it through her her view of what she's missing out on yeah as summoned by her kind of hallucination of her family or whatever so that's like a good editing point to kind of add to the, the impact of that because otherwise it's just parallel action kind of matching movement cutting between the things at like eight seconds and stuff yeah. and jumping and and who because they're so psyched at the beginning the soccer team like it doesn't seem like they're losing like if you look at 109 <laughs> like they are having a good old time and they're jumping just like the people at the wedding are. Yeah. So I guess through this whole scene, it never really feels like, uh Oh, they might lose. It just seems like they're killing it. Have you ever cut a sports scene, Sven? Have I ever cut a sports scene? You've cut fight scenes. Uh, yes, I have cut fight scenes. I don't think I've ever cut a sports scene. No. Yeah. It's kind of a rare thing. Like, I don't know how many people do and then some suddenly some fil filmmakers find themselves in the midst of a sports movie or a sports moment and it's like whoa and you start going through the the annals of sports history to kind of figure out what to do like i know eastbound and down is a show that you wouldn't expect would need because <laughs> it's a comedy but they also had to have really effective triumphant sports moments in it yeah. even at like the micro level so it's kind of like you know to get to see filmmakers discover how to do those things i really like the genre and I assume it's actually really hard to do it in a way that it's refreshing because there's such a formula to it. You kind of mm -hmm. always expect a certain way how things go. Like 
they have that initial luck, but then they fall behind and they don't make it and they can't make it. There's no way. But wait, yes, something happened. The character, the main character, digs deep. And that's why they're tied. And in the last second, they have the opportunity to win the game. And most of the time, they will. So that's sort of yeah. the expectation. And that's so how every sports movie is. Few exceptions. So how do you, how do you tell it in a way that it's still um, surprising? Right. Well, Rocky's one way. This is another way. Well, Rocky, he loses, which is, I think, a big, big part of why it works. Right. Oh, for sure. Going yeah, against expectations. Time. Yeah. And I always love like when it's like a little tiny movie like this that just does so well. And I'm trying to think now what the, what the current sports movie is this year, if there is one. Let us know if you know. So, so I have a request. Yes. What would you think about moving our comment shout out from this guy com slash podcast? Because I think it's time that we admit that we have 43 episodes and, and two comments collectively <laughs> at yes. that point. Why don't we move the comments to Twitter? How does that sound, Sven? Sounds good to me. At this guy edits? Yeah, it just feels like a, a place it's easier for people to kind of reach and contribute. And you could do it from anything, anywhere. Most people have Twitter accounts. Great. Do it. So yeah, so if you so if you enjoy what you're hearing, let your friends know. If you haven't subscribed, please do. We really appreciate all the listens we've had, the growing attention that we're getting. We think it's really great. It's very community based, so the more suggestions we get for stuff to look at, et cetera, et cetera, the better. Next week we're going to be doing A Star Is Born. Sven just watched it last night, but he's a, he was a, he came in a little hot, so we decided to give it a week to kind of process our emotions Lots and thoughts before we go into it. Yeah, <laughs> I, I saw a year ago he, he's going to watch the other ones, at least one of the originals. This once there's a fourth sequel, does that make everything else an original? I mean, a fourth remake. Everything else just becomes an original at that point. He, he's going to watch one of the earlier versions. The 1932-4 version is oh, the one okay. that I want to watch by David O'Sullivan. Judy Garland? Um, is it? Very cool. Yeah. I have seen them all. I found the second remake is, I don't know, I'll, I'll, save, my, I'll save my opinions. The um, third one is Barbara Streisand, right? And yeah, the third one's the Streisand Chris. one. And Christopherson. Oh, yeah. wait, no, 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 no. Sam Neill. Wait. No, yeah, no. Christofferson. Sorry, yeah. I confused it with Bradley Cooper. Whoa. So, yeah, drop us a comment on Twitter or Facebook, wherever. We post it everywhere, so let us know what you might want to see next. Thank you to Curter for the music. And as Sven always says... Happy editing. Cool. Well, that'll be a nice breezy change of pace. 30 minutes. Cool, cool.